Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of The School for Dumb Women. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, it's September the 12th, and also the birthday of Jennifer Hudson, Louis C.K., and the patent for rubber, which was filed on this day in 1909. Wow, so you could say that September 12th is National Britney Spears' Oops, I Did It Again costume day. Yes, you could, Caroline O'Donoghue. Does that also make September the 12th National Camel Toe Day? Ah, yes, it does, Alexandra Haddo. That's great news, Hannah Barrel. It is. And have we got a show for you today? Have we? Yeah, we, we. that's why we're here. Oh, yeah. is that why I've got these headphones on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This week we're talking biology, food technology and zoology. So Alex, you love farts. Uh, <laughs> so, so you've chosen beans this week. Is that right? That's right. I love farts. They're my favourite bodily expulsion. And um, I know last week was the week of the occult, but uh, now I'm talking about the most magical fruit of all. They are magical, ah, yeah. Beans, mm. beans, the magical fruit. The more you eat, the more you can save for a mortgage because you're not buying avocado toast, you're buying beans, which are cheaper. That's true. As the old millennial saying mm. goes. When are beans going to have their hipster moment? Ooh, that's a great question. They should do. Although c- I, think, I think they'll come around very soon because they're so basic. And you know how hipsters like to sort of reappropriate basic stuff and then make it cool? Yeah. I think yeah. It, will, it will come around again. See the 12 pound hot dog. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff like, you know, like really grimy food, like burgers. Like they had a hipster moment, which has been going on far too long. Yeah, surely. Burgers are over soon. Yeah. yeah. I remember for a couple of years there, you couldn't go anywhere without ordering a burger on a board with chips in a tin bucket. And oh, the yeah. burger has a has a stick going through it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And a flag, maybe. Oh, fuck yeah. off. Oh, I'm pissed off <laughs> already. Stilton. Ah. Uh. The worst ever is when you get like block chips in Jenga style. Have you ever had that? Oh, yeah. It's so, like nine like, Don't thick like that. cut chips. I don't, want to, um, I don't want to ever be able to count how many chips I have. Yeah, that, exactly. That is a fantastic rule for life. Yeah. <laughs> Write that down. Someone writing this down. That can be on my slogan t-shirt. Yes. But um, basically, yeah, baked beans. Very British. I mean, I always sort of knew that, but I, I kind of assumed everyone has them a bit. Do they, do they not have them in other places? They do, but they have very different styles and stuff. So um, in South America, they'll have like frijoles. Uh-huh. Uh, which is kind of it's like black beans and they're kind of, they're in like a big mushy paste which mm. sounds horrendous oh, like but they're really so tasty. Nice. Yeah, oh, but yeah. that's not the same thing at all. That's just beans in a can. I know, but like baked beans, um, like haricot beans, Hannah, as Ooh. is the traditional household baked bean that you and I eat today. Oh, <laughs> um, you know that each sort of culture 
uses beans a lot, but our uh, the British thing is like baked beans in tomato sauce, right? And uh, Irish. And Irish, sorry. Um, now, if you're if you're at home and you're listening and you have a phone on you, um, we will post this on the Dumb Woman Instagram. But Google haricot beans. You'll find a picture of baked beans without the sauce, and it looks like tiny naked to horrible men. <laughs> they look what? so they look so raw and horrible and. Weird. They look like tiny cysts. Oh, <laughs> like polyps. Yeah. Um. So that is the bean that we know, you know, that we eat today. It's the haricot bean, or the in America they call it the navy bean. But it actually came baked beans. Actually came from America. The Heinz Company um, started exporting them to the UK. We bloody loved the bastards. Bet we did. So uh, now you don't. They don't really eat them. In America that much and uh, Heinz were obviously I mean obviously now you get a gazillion varieties yes but, and reduced salt and sugar yes which well, you always have to put your own salt and sugar in because yeah. it tastes like shit yeah agreed <laughs> it does uh, doctors actually recommended beans oh right uh, to people and said you know they are quite good for you and it is absolutely true that they do make you fart yeah that is a true thing true why, fact why is that um, I think it's just like they're like fibrous and they they're really high in protein as well. Yeah, so they just sort of there's a brilliant flush it all ad out. for Heinz beans at the moment. Have you seen it? Yes, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, it's great. Ad, isn't yeah. it? Yes. Do you bring Which it up? one? So a guy comes in from a run and his uh, I assume wife and daughter are sitting at the kitchen table and he gets out this uh, bottle of brown gunk from the fridge and it's like it's my high protein energy drink. Yeah, like it's proper it works horrible. And then the woman goes, "We're just having beans." Yeah, that is. That is brilliant. That's like Mad Men style Don Draper. Yeah. And then everyone sits back in their chair and is like, Donald Draper, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like I think the strap line is even like, um, like good for you without going on about it. Yeah. It's like, go on, beans. Yes, beans. We're very pro-bean. Huh? Or pro-bean house. We're getting sponsorship from beans. I'm definitely yeah. going, going to go home tonight and have beans on toast, which I haven't had in fucking ages. So good, though. Make so sure you good. shake the can for us, though. Yeah. I'm going to blow your mind with two facts. Right. Number one, it used to be Heinz baked beans. You won't have seen that on the can since 2008 because they're now called Heinz beans, beans with a Z. <gasps> Why I know. They, are they no longer, are they now like fake beans or something? Why are they're they not? Baked no, they're beans. real, but they just changed the name Why? in 2008. No I think just to maybe like modernise a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, so they have sort of have become hipsterized because there's like a Z unnecessarily on their name while they're butchering That's not the hipster English though, language. that's like the year 2000. Yeah, what they should have done is taken all their vowels out. Yeah, yeah that's and been true, like yeah. Remember like Heinz means beans. Um, and also, I, I kind of like didn't realise this, but on Heinz it says 57 different varieties. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of what? It, it's not that, it's just because like Henry Heinz... <laughs> In like the early twentieth century, saw this advert for a household cleaning product, and it said like twenty one different varieties. And he was like, "Well, oh, that sounds good." What? <laughs> so there's not actually fifty seven varieties not, of anything at all. Fifty seven <gasps> varieties. Oh my god, we've been had. Although oh. I was trying to think of all the different types of beans we've had since, including I remember uh, I think you can still get them uh, cheesy beans. You can get beans Yum. with cheese in them. Okay. You know beans with mini sausages. Oh, yeah. Mm. And that's actually uh, from the days of yore when baked beans was first given to sort of men working because um, it was high in protein and high in energy and quite good for you. Low and they would, Yeah, and they would put like uh, pork in the beans to give it a flavour and to give them a little bit more protein and that's kind of how the 
little horrible pork sausages oh, and beans so floaty. evolved. Yeah, mm. now they're disgusting. But and also um, number two fact that's gonna blow your mind. Even though they're called baked beans, they're actually stewed. <gasps> Lies. Are you allowed All to say lies. that? Are we going to get the legal people from the Heinz team on our case? I think we probably will. Also, true fact, Gwyneth Paltrow once dated one of the Heinz heirs. Of You're fucking not serious. Of course she did. She did. Of course she did. Oh my did. God, we have to add this to our Gwyneth Paltrow conspiracy board. Yeah. Or the Gwyneth Paltrow like Christmas omnibus special where we just put together all the mentions of Gwyneth ever. Um, but yeah, so, um, we, I mean, I say, I say the UK is the main eater of them but actually you know our friends in Australia and New Zealand are also very fond of them but I would say that we're number one on their on the beans chart on the Heinz brand loyalty thing yeah absolutely like Heinz very much you know they bloody love us Um, they started exporting to us in 1901 in Fortnum and Mason did they? jeez they've gone from high to low and Heinz were, you know, good guys. I mean, sure, I got this off the Heinz website, so they're probably... They're <laughs> we're really, good guys, we are. says Heinz. They were probably doing something underhand. But um, in 1931, in the Great Depression, hard times, good food. Howard Heinz, Henry's son, Henry Heinz was the founder of okay. Heinz, fights the Big Depression by adding ready-to-serve soups and baby food to the Heinz range, feeding families looking for value, taste and quality. They then became top sellers. So... He wasn't giving them away for free. So they capitalised on a terrible situation. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like selling war bonds. Yeah. Yes. But they said that they were like adding baby food to, you know, help babies. Sure. Little guessing game. What other product would you associate with Heinz? Which I never thought about a lot, but tomato soup is. Uh yes. But also tomato ketchup, Hannah. When do you think we first had ketchup? Eighteen thirty two. Nineteen oh one. Eighteen seventy six. Kind of midway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what they um, that's what they started off with. Actually, they started off with a horseradish, closely oh. followed by a uh, tomato sauce. Because I was going to say, why like why would you think to put beans in with some kind of tomato sauce? But actually, if they had ketchup first, and then they were like, hmm, people seem to need protein in their diets. Yeah, it makes sense. They were like, what's a cheap protein sauce that we can mix with our tomato ketchup yeah. and sell to people? Like that I, makes total sense. I actually think it was because uh, I mean, I bet that's the modern interpretation of it. Okay, but it was because people used to have like a bean stew, like casserole, and they used to just stew it in tomatoes. Oh yeah, and so it's sort of come from that. This is true as well. Yeah. Um, so really, when you're having your fry up with your beans, you're really having like a, a mini bean stew. Mm. Yeah. Some people get super um, uppity about putting beans in the fry up because they say that they the the, the juice contaminates the other objects. I, I don't agree with. Don't I, agree with that. I, I like the contamination. Me too. That's what a fry up's about, isn't it? Getting yeah. it all messy. But sometimes I do like it when they put your beans in a little pot so that you can choose what you can contaminate it with. That's ideal. Yes. Yeah. You know, and then it keeps sort of the heat in the beans because sometimes when they go like one story bean, mm. they cool down quite quickly. <laughs> so my last thing is a good bit of good press for beans. And again, God, I really want some beans right now. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, is that, you know, because they they have had a lot of press recently with like, oh, salt and sugar, blah, blah, blah. Um, you can count baked beans as a portion, you know, one of your five a day. Oh, okay. great. Because they are actually quite good. Um, and people said, oh, salt and sugar. But it has been proven that consumption of baked beans does indeed lower your total cholesterol levels, which is pretty good. Cool. Great. That sounds like a good thing. 
I feel really good for all the people who, and I think people most listen to this podcast on their way to work, who are like right now planning their lunch. Being like, yeah, I'm going to go buy some like, beans Yeah, where can lunch. I get some beans? Heat them up in the office microwave. Yeah. See if I can get someone to do me toast. Where can I get yeah. like a modern little bean pot of stew from? Beans mm. means Heinz. Beans means joy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I guess we can leave it there. That's yes. the propaganda for beans done for the yeah. whole year. So as you may remember, a couple of weeks ago, we had Caroline doing a guest Women Who Code lecture on Bitcoin. Uh, and this week, we've got Alex leading the mixer. Hello. So I think it is safe to say I've lost a grip on my authority in the coding world. I wouldn't say that. Oh, I still dear. see you as being the cold mother of this podcast. Oh, thanks, Caroline. Yeah. Well, let's see how badly I do this first and then we can sort of assess yeah. whether you get your crown back. Yeah, okay. So what are you teaching us about today, Alex? Well, Hannah, um, I think our brains are about to burst with 12 solid coding lessons and then casting a spell about coding last week, which, if you haven't heard it, is Hannah's finest work on this mortal coil. So I thought we'd have a historical woman who code mixer and learn about a code that men use when they're dressed as sailors. Ooh. Morse code. Ah. Lovely. So uh, what's Morse code? Well, I'll tell you what it is. Sorry, I didn't give you time to guess. It's customary, as we all know, for the woman who code mixer is that we guess what it is. This is true. I'm not used to this authority. I'm looking at Hannah. She's standing on a plinth (laughs) looking down at me. I think Morse code is what happens when a robot has fallen in love and wants to tell us it's distressed. And it's like, beep, 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 beep. That is sort of true. It's the robots controlled by the humans that might be in distress, but they're secretly communicating, I guess. Oh, right. Um, apart from that it's not any of that. Um, It was uh, developed in 1836 by Samuel Morse. And it's one of the earliest forms of modern coding. Um, You've probably seen it a lot in films and stuff. I bet you could do one thing in Morse right now. Oh, hands up. Okay. Beep, 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 beep. (laughs) What did Hannah just tell us in Morse? That was way more complex than the obvious one I was going for. (laughs) What were you going for? SOS. Yeah. Beep, 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 That's beep, what I was trying to do. Beep, 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 dot, 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 dash, 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 dot, dot, dot. Wow. Wait a fucking minute. Do you guys just know that? Yeah. Beep, 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 beep. SOS. Beep. Save our souls. There aren't many things that separate us nationally. Like, generally, I'm like, From oh, the apes. we're just like three gals. But like, oh, no, you guys are so fucking English. Oh, my God. Only English people would know how to do that. <laughs> Caroline, I have to admit, mine was a guess. I just... <laughs> what? Does so everyone just know beeps. SOS and Morris? Alex does. Yeah, I did know that. Why? Because you are a Navy commander. Yeah, because she's seen films. Yeah, they're in, it's in films a lot. It's in Titanic. I feel like you're secretly being taught British naval things. I think and I've uncovered it and now you're covering all, that. I think my spies. dad did yeah. teach me actually when I was a kid, SOS, just in case I was in any kind of boating accident. Wow. <laughs> Jeff! I assume no. that if there's beeps in a film and they're on a boat, that's probably SOS. But you actually oh. know the SOS signal. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I wouldn't be able to use a Morse machine, so I'm fucked anyway. No, but right. isn't it just tapping? 
Yeah, but I mean, it's the on the Morse machine. But yes, it is exactly that. It's um, it's an electrical telegraph system, and it sends pulses of electrical current along wires, which control an electromagnet, and that's uh, at the receiving end of the telegraph system. So yeah, you kind of tap, and on it, it makes contact, and it sort of buzzes. <laughs> and uh, sends a signal, which somebody else with... See, the thing is, they also have to have a Morse machine. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean... Yeah. You know. So it's not that versatile. No. Um, what happens if you um, sit on the machine by accident and then you're like, oh, shit, delete, delete? Like, is there a signal for, like, oh, scrap what I just said, the cat walked over the Morse machine? Yeah, can you send a Morse version of, like, a butt text? Because otherwise, yeah, <laughs> otherwise you could be sending, like... Oh, ship out at sea, like, like, like this is the location. Captain, um, Admiral Beckett has just told me he loves me. <laughs> Which is quite late, perhaps he's on the Morse machine <laughs> after a few sherries. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think you just have to stand by your message, really, because you can't really communicate. So do the beeps stand for letters, then? Is that how that works? Yes, so, the, so it's made up of dots and dashes. So hence why SOS is one of the easiest and use, most useful one oh, because yeah. S is dot, dot, dot and O is dash, dash, dash. So what does a dot sound like and what does a dash sound like? Like So it'd be like, that's like S. Right. And then like, I can't really do a long dot on this, but sort of like. Oh, I feel like I'm in the past already. <laughs> but obviously people that are very trained in Morse code are like extremely fast and they can get quite a lot of information across. can you like read you know how when you read you're looking at you're looking at code and it just kind of you know it just kind of goes automatically into your brain as processed can you learn morse code in that way so you're just automatically like you just hear like taps around your daily life and be like oh that just spelled out like yeah. c-y-p-q yeah i bet it would because also um that would make a great uh, plot for a novel that someone was trying <gasps> to get a message to you <gasps> yes. the dead exactly so these days, I think what we should use Morse code for as smart women is to try and get higher within the police system. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I bet Cressida Dick knows Morse code, High Commissioner yeah, of the does, Metropolitan yeah. Police. So that's Morse. And I think you'll find that that's probably one of the most useful women who code mixes we've ever done, because obviously we do tend to use Morse code in our daily lives. Yeah, I spend a lot of time at sea in distress. So Yeah, exactly. Caroline, can you do the SOS for us? Have you learnt it? Beep, 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 beep. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, <laughs> was that it? That was your subconscious's cry for help. It was nearly there. Yeah, sadly, <laughs> you just told me that you wanted a flat white with um, almond milk. So, Hannah, your section is actually connected to Alex's this week because beans are the most famous fart-inducing foods and you're covering how we receive those farts, which is through <laughs> our noses, which is through smell. You're right, Caroline. Uh, this week I'm getting scientific again with a lesson on smells and there will be lots of farts featured in this lesson as examples, so you can look forward to that. Mm, I do. You can also avoid smelling smells if you put a baked bean up each of your nostrils. <laughs> Oh, you that like you can. Yeah. Uh, so we all know kind of the party line on how smells get into your nose, right? Which is something like the little molecules of whatever the smell is, the fart smell, for example, goes up your nose to the smell receptors in your nose that have little hairs on them. And the receptors tell your brain what that smell is. I love what you said. So we all know that and then gave us an inc incredibly complex thing that now I understand. But I was like, yes, oh, I okay, do that, know really? that. Now I know. Oh, yeah. that's, I thought that was quite... No. Sure, I mean... 
I guess I might have put it together, but now I wish I'd asked you. Uh, let's do an easy one to start with. Do you think smells are solid, liquid, or gas? Gas. Gas. Hey, well done. High five. Yay. But do farts have poo particles in them, Hannah? Um, this was actually really hard to Google because everyone seems obsessed with answering every question re-farts under the sun, apart from uh, my question, which was, what literal part of a shit or a fart <laughs> is it that smells? Like, what part of it is doing the smelling? When you say, uh, what I do guess you mean all of it, though, it? right? So, like, okay, so when you fart, gas particles come out of your bum yeah. and they make their way to someone's nose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's gas that's created in your intestine through digestion and stuff. Yeah. But if you think about, if you just did a poo and let's say it wasn't in the toilet for whatever reason, what? that <laughs> poo would still smell. Yeah. Because the poo, the solid poo particles smell. But how do they smell? How, do the, how does the smell of the poo reach your nose? Because a, smell, a, a shit is solid. Maybe there's like fart emanating from the poo. Interesting you should say that. Caroline, what do you think? I mean, your logic seems to be like solid objects can't smell and many solid objects smell. My question like is, soap. how does a solid object... If if the particles in an object are solid, yeah. if it's got solid molecules in it, oh, how do I the see. molecules break off and reach your nose? Into a gas. Oh. Do you see what I mean? Like, I, how I, can I it guess. get to your nose if it's solid and it's like on the table or whatever? Wind, air? No, but how does it? How does it detach? Hannah, just tell me. You're how blowing my mind too much. I don't know. Okay, clearly this is the thing that only I worry about. Um, clearly, yeah. So yeah, so uh, some of the time, if a shit smells, it's because uh, there's fart that's come out with your shit. <laughs> that's fine. That's Ew. understandable. I've done a big farty poo. I mean, I haven't. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that. Alex. I don't poo. Right there. I love how we've come so far from if women pooed, like, so you know when you fart and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so kind of my question is like, how how do solids smell? Does a solid change into a gas at some point? Does, yeah, exactly. Does a solid change into a gas? And basically, yes, it does. Uh, so most solids give off smell molecules, that's in inverted commas, because there are particles in the solid that are what's called volatile, which means they can evaporate straight into gas at room temperature. Oh, I see. And there's a website called Science Focus that says the usual reasons why we can smell solids are that they contain volatile oils, such as most woods, or they're chemically reacting with something from an atmosphere to produce a gas. Oh. So like a big slab of metal, say steel, it's it's like the most solid thing you can think of, right? Mm-hmm. There's not like little bits evaporating and yeah. whatever. And so actually what you can smell if you think you can smell the steel is the metal interacting with like chemicals or like oils or whatever from like your hands or from uh, I don't atmosphere. know rain if it's oh. if it's raining and things like that and it's right. and it's the steel interacting with that oh. and changing that and that's what gets to your nose and that's what smells uh, and then I thought as well if you've got a solid thing like a shit and it's emitting these gas particles then isn't that thing losing mass so how long could that thing go for <laughs> until it's either stopped smelling this is this or just has the most so luscious small. imagery of any <laughs> I will be segment. testing this theory by pooing in my own garden tomorrow and seeing how long the poo lasts because it has to be getting smaller technically so I did find something on the internet to support this uh, which was said that when gases evaporate from a solid it is technically losing mass uh, which I enjoyed and then and then yeah. the whole conversation on the reddit thread turned into why do your farts smell more in the shower than they do <gasps> Why? in real life. And that's because the fart, 
not heat, but um, humidity. So the fart smell, instead of like hovering around your bum, it binds to the steam particles oh and it gets lifted up to your nose much more easily. It's the same if you fart in the bath. It smells real bad as well. Yeah, same thing, steam. I actually dated a man who was like 16 years older than me and mm. he had no sense of smell, uh, which was great. What, never nothing? To, I never had to wash. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, just nothing. greasy? Yeah, I was just... Greasy, like, dirty Yeah, girl. he was like, Alex, I can still see. I'm <laughs> like, please wash. Wait, so he couldn't smell anything at all? Couldn't smell anything. Wow. Um, and this, it was kind of dangerous because like if there was a gas leak or something... He wouldn't know. You know, he wouldn't know. And he used to have to ask me, like, is this milk off? Because I don't know. Jesus. Um, uh, could he taste? Could be dangerous. Yeah, and he said he said he felt like it didn't affect his taste that much. So. Wow. Was he very um, adventurous, actually? Because he didn't have anything, like, smell to impede. Well, so I used to be, he was, he was very good looking. And um, I used to be nervous, you know, about, about the about intimate things. But then I was like, remembered that, and I was like... <laughs> I don't know how we've been talking about poo for 10 minutes but yeah. we're like, when we're talking about giving head we're like oh, intimate I know, yeah. basically, basically when he was going down on me like I was you know a bit, little bit nervous or whatever and then I remembered and I was like yeah. don't have to have Fill any your boots. yeah don't have to have any anxiety but sadly I did ask him um, uh, did he have no sense of smell did he lose it because he was so old and he said no I actually suffer from a condition called anosmia Oh. Which was an awkward moment. Poor guy. That's uh, a dick. Shit, though. <laughs> <laughs> One more kind of sciencey question I have is what happens to a smell molecule once it's been smelled? Like it goes up your nose, it reaches the receptor. The receptor's like, yeah, that's a cheese smell or whatever. Like, and then what? Where does the smell go? Has it been used up? Into your brain where it's in a little workshop. You've got like a little file effects of smells in your head. Because Where can it keeps them? Well, your brain definitely remembers them because, like, if you if you smell a perfume or an aftershave of somebody that you had a thing with, it remind like you instantly are transported back yeah. to that exact oh, time. Definitely. I have a good fact about that actually. Uh, <gasps> apparently, that's because the smells are processed by the olfactory bulb, uh, which starts inside the nose and runs along the bottom of the brain, and basically has direct connections to uh, two brain areas that are strongly implicated in emotion and memory. Oh, wow. Anyway, the answer to the question of where does the smell go, it doesn't get stored in your brain. Because oh. uh, the sense memory What does. your brain knows about the smell gets stored in the brain. Um, but physically? But physically, it doesn't get stored in the brain. Uh, physically, it just gets released and you like breathe it out or it can get oh, mixed yeah. up in your mucus and you can like snot it out. So, question. I uh, live above a fried chicken shop. Okay. Um, if that smell is getting into my bloodstream and mucus and stuff, is it like, is chicken getting into my bloodstream? And is that why my skin's so bad? So, <laughs> chicken gas is getting into your bloodstream, I guess. Or the smell of frying. Yeah. Yeah. So, so technically, um, I think maybe it would have to be a solid. I mean, I'm a 27-year-old woman with acne, Hannah. I need answers, not you more questions. You have not got acne. I've got gross skin. Shut up. I'm gonna you look do a bit a... chickeny though. Maybe you're turning into a chicken. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, smells are mad. Smells are Smells mad. are mad. And so I come to the... I've never PS... seen such joy on Hannah's face right now, by the way. This is like the Related. happiest she's ever been. Okay. Basically, Caroline, a few weeks ago, you mentioned to Alex and me off air that you secretly think that you can smell better than any other people and that you are secretly like a nose. I... I genuinely do think I'm a nose, yes. Like Rupert Grant, not Rupert Grant, yeah. Richard E. Grant. And it's, Hannah, let me tell you this, it's a fucking lonely life. Yeah. Because sometimes I'll be walking down the street with Gab or whatever and I'll be like, 
Do you smell that? It's a bit like an asparagus at the end of a bin bag, but they've put party <laughs> decorations on top of it. And he's like, no. Oh my God, <laughs> no, it smells s- like the outdoors. You're a superhero. I'm Voldemort. Like, I've got a flat fucking face with holes in it. And that's all. I'm just a nose. Well, Caroline, you might regret saying that because I've devised a test <gasps> for both of you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, my God, no. Okay. In my bag, I have a set of smells. I'm weirdly nervous now. Like, even though I know that mm. I smell quite well, I'm afraid that, like, oh, God, I'm not going to get it right now. Someone's losing their confidence. I am. <laughs> These items have been carefully sealed in odourless Ziploc sandwich bags. You both have to keep your eyes shut okay. so you can't see what they are. Can we sell these on eBay afterwards, like a Dell concert? Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Put your hand out. Ooh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Alex, do you want to go first? What do you think it is? I think it's strawberry soap. Caroline, what do you think it is? Yeah, I think it's washing powder for like like uh, for your washing machine. Okay, there are two smells in there, in fact. Oh. Do you want to have another go? Yeah, I do want another go. I still, I still think strawberry soap, like some kind of strawberry washing stuff. Okay. Yeah, I think it's definitely like a like a vanish. Maybe it smells specifically like vanish. Okay, it's actually apple flavored antibacterial surface spray from oh. my kitchen and a tiny bit of cinnamon. Oh. Oh, I was so no very cinnamon at all. At all. Yeah. So okay, maybe I'm not a nose. Okay, number two. You okay. ready? Yeah. That's a bit more potent, isn't it? Have you farted in one of these zip bags? <laughs> <laughs> That's the finale, Alex. <laughs> okay. It's a tiny bit of my own poo. Is that, is that, <laughs> no, no tell me, was that a single smell or a double smell? It's a double smell. Okay. I feel like I've still got... I feel like I've still got some particles from smell one. Yeah. In. Hang on. Yeah. I might want another girl in a minute. I'm just cleaning them out. I'll be totally honest. I can't smell a thing in that. Oh, interesting. You can't smell a thing. It's no, so strong. I can't smell anything. Okay, well, smell one, the dominant smell, the top the top notes, um, <laughs> is definitely some kind of crisp. It's like a space raider. It's a very pickled oniony type of smell. And then the, the base notes, I suppose you could call, is again another soapy kind of um, detergent type of smell. A soapy space raider. Okay, I think maybe these have been contaminated by one of the smells. Um... Because it's actually peanut butter and no. tomato ketchup. What? I didn't. I didn't smell. Well, I didn't really smell anything. Have an oh my sniff. god! Now that I know it's there, I can smell the ketchup, but I can't smell the peanut butter. Okay. Which All you right. think? What you? More smells smell. though. Okay. Who's, who's, I know. Yeah. Another one. Okay. How many smells? Two mm. smells. <laughs> That's fascinating. <laughs> I'm genuinely so intrigued. It's my pants. <laughs> oh god! I just put my hand in something wet. Is it nail varnish remover? That's, it oh no, it's wine! It's wine! I think it's wine. You think it's wine? Yeah. Okay, there's definitely, there is like an antiseptic undertone that is overpowering it. So definitely the nail varnish remover is very strong. But then there is like a food thing. I don't think it's wine because wine tends to have more of a sting. Um, it's like something like Lee and Perrins or something like that or some kind of barbecue It's kind of got a very smoky tone on top of it I think it's Echo Falls work around smoky a bit like barbecue sauce Mm, not sauce barbecue it's a cigarette (laughs) no it's not okay that one is Stilton cheese which I would have thought would be a lot stronger what have you mixed it with uh, vodka oh that's what I was getting the alcohol 
That's well, nail varnish, nail varnish remover, and uh, vodka basically do smell the same. Yeah, yeah. But I still think you guys did quite well. I'm still pleased with the results. This is so, I'm, such a good I'm a bit test. pissed off because I I thought my whole thing was that I could be a nose for a perfumer. I know. And now I don't think I can really, unless like the, the perfume is barbecue sauce. Yeah. <laughs> you could not <laughs> play that. Sauce and peanut butter. Yeah. That guy with the big nose that Steve Martin plays. I'm afraid. Oh. You have been discast. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. I really um, enjoy how this podcast is going from a general knowledge podcast to a game show. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Caroline, weirdly, our sections are actually all connected this week because for your segment, you've picked the smelliest bird of all, which is the pigeon. The pigeon, yes. I think any any Londoner, any person who uh, lives in a city will attest to that they are the smelliest bird. And by smelliest, I mean worst, right? Yeah. Like mm. Nobody likes pigeons. Nobody plumps for pigeons because... They're very tasty, though. Oh, oh yeah. Really I've, weirdly, if you had, yeah. A, had a, a bit of pan-fried wood pigeon, yeah. absolutely delish, my I friends. mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. I think like the pigeons you eat in a fancy restaurant are different to like, different. the yeah. absolute grot bags that are like 30% yeah. cigarettes. Yeah, that and that have find. one of their legs rotted off by yeah. sitting in its own shit. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> um, well, I don't want to, you know, didn't want to de- depress anyone. Uh, so I'm not talking about the common rodent pigeon that we all have to avoid startling every Ugh. time that we walk through Trafalgar yeah. Square or through the South Bank. I'm talking about the proud carrier pigeon or the homing pigeon. I wasn't 100% sure that carrier pigeons were real. That was 
really reassuring when you said that to me because I was like, oh, thank God, someone is less educated about carrier pigeons than I am. Yeah. So it's like, you thought it was like owls in Harry Potter? Yeah, kind of like. Yeah. I mean, I sort of knew there was an element of truth to them, but I thought it was sort of like. Like an idea rather than a thing. Like there'd be someone with peanut butter on a glove and they'd take the message to them. So it's sort of like, well. Well, I am. as you know, I'm the, for some reason, sole Game of Thrones fan on this podcast. You are, yep. Yeah, which is weird because I thought you guys were interested in, like, culture and the world. No, no. not, not a jot. Not a jot. Okay, well, one of the, you know... Game of Thrones is obviously fictional, but it's set in this kind of quasi-magical uh, medieval universe. But, like, one of the things on it is, like, people are always sending ravens to each other. So it's like, oh, send a raven to Winterfell or send a raven to King's Landing. And it's, uh, people are sending ravens this ravens this way and that to carry messages and stuff. And, like, whenever I'm watching it, I'm like, how is this happening? Like, yeah, how like, do they know where to birds go? Birds are a bit scatty, aren't they? Like, how can you, tra- how can you yeah. train them? And I think, like, part of me thought that, like, you just, like, go up to a bird and, like, whisper, like, yeah, go to France. And then it's just like, yeah, we'll do, friend. And it just did it. And I was like, if birds were that clever, we would not eat birds, right? Like, if yeah. birds could understand human language and, like, yeah, go to fucking... Yeah, how do they Stockport. do that? <laughs> I don't know why I said Stockport. <laughs> you must go to the place where they make the hats. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that you guys, by the looks on your beautiful faces, are as confused by all this as I am. Because the answer is is simple, really. Oh. Well, huh? Well, it's all in the name. So a homing pigeon, right? They just go home. They just go home. Oh. That's it. But I have an issue with this. So when you are on your journeys and you want to send a pigeon with a message somewhere that isn't home. See, this is the plot hole that none of these like Harry Potters or Game of Thrones or war epics... um, share with you the watcher because most people like their their experience of seeing carrier pigeons and things is in TV right yeah um, so you know you just see like a thing flying in and being like oh it's a raven from Winterfell blah, or whatever um, what happens is so say say you um, are in a Game of Thrones situation or in a war situation and you have your rookery full of um, messenger pigeons and rooks and ber- <laughs> birds that what carry messages right sure and the whole like send a raven to Winterfell thing is actually like Send the Winterfell Raven. Send the Winterfell Raven home. Yeah, that's it. With so a message. you have a, a whole cast of unlikely characters in your little aviary, and all of them are from different places. So you go down your and find your specific one, your Winterfell Raven. I know you guys don't know what I'm referring to because this is no. Game of Thrones, but the listeners will. Um, and you go, ah, this one is the one from Winterfell, so we'll just strap the thing onto it, and then he'll fuck off home because. And this is common of ravens, birds, whatever bird that you're using to um, send your message. Because wherever they first built their nest is the place that they'll always go home to. So if I'm sending uh, the Winterfell raven home and then Madame Winterfell wants to send me a reply saying, yes, I will be around for death and cakes at 6pm. Yeah. (laughs) Does she have a bird that was... For your locale, yeah. But you have right. to arrange that all in advance, presumably. Yeah, completely. Which is why it's so weird on Game of Thrones, because obviously the whole point of the show is that there's all these noble houses that are hundreds of miles apart that are all rivals, or they hate each other, or whatever. So or why some... do they have each other's birds? They could, yeah, that's so weird, right? They just have each other's birds. <laughs> yeah. They would have had to be like, I'm going to give you 20, and you're going to have to last you until six months, because we're going to be at war until then. 
Like, kind of, yeah. But also, like, what do they just go around, like, taking pigeons out of their nests when they're younger and, like, storing them in their aviary? Is that what it is? Like, yeah. But surely they only ever do one one journey in their life. Well, um, to be honest, the um, most famous use of homing pigeons or any kind of homing bird, um, it started in... Uh, Roman times actually where if they wanted to know who the winner of was of a chariot race they would um, send the bird home for it so have pigeons in Rome Rome's too nice for pigeons um, pigeons are everywhere pigeons oh, but actually back then doves and pigeons was kind of interchangeable So they also think that the first sort of recorded cases in the Bible, in the Old Testament (gasps) when Noah sends off the bloody the olive branch the olive branch yeah is it an olive yeah, no. yeah, that's, like that. yeah. It was an olive branch, yeah. yeah? Okay. And it was a sign that there was land out there. Yeah, so that was a that was essentially a homing pigeon. But I mean, like, how close do you have to live to that nest for them to get to you? Yeah, how far around so the world can you go? So fucking far. Like these guys, they're amazing. I was like tearing up reading about all these pigeons they use in like World War One and World War Two. They use thousands of them, and they can they can fly hundreds of miles, like between France and England and France and Germany, like easy. Fucking easy peasy. But did they take... Did we go on a massive raiding mission to go and get these birds from enemy land, yeah. then bring them back, and then send it home? It can't home. just be any bird as well, because it needs to be a bird that's going to go back to a nest where someone is who knows to look for a yeah. message on them. See, here's what it is. You breed your bird in the army base, and then when the lads are going off to war, they take the pigeons with them. Oh. So when they finally need to use the pigeon, they strap on a bloody note or in some cases a backpack oh I know so fucking cute um, and then and then they're like oh we're in distress and, and they send the bird off home so the bird is kind of like a live morse code yeah, yeah. essentially and it's um, you know for a really really long time it kind of they started in the Franco-Prussian War and then they were used most famously in World War One and World War Two because obviously like trenches and we're going across huge swathes of Europe and for like um, telegrams and for Morse and wire you still need to lay down an ele- electrical wire yeah, yeah. like you can do it like say if you're in a trench for months or years but you can't just do it on, on the fly as yeah. it were so pigeons are the most reliable form of communication and like it's really like incredible when you think people were trusting their lives in these birds so the most famous instance and this is like very moving um there was this french bird her name oh, oh. okay so and by the way i have read a few essays and listened to a few podcasts about this subject and almost all of them refer to Cherami, this pigeon as a boy pigeon and she was a girl pigeon She was a girl pigeon and she was a war hero. So there was these um, French troops that were sort of caught behind enemy lines for they were they were essentially like under siege, and uh, they sent up the first pigeon and then got shot down by the Germans. (gasps) Oh! A couple days later, like literally hundreds of them are dying by the day. They send up a second pigeon, gets shot down. Third pigeon, Cherami. Ah, Cherami. Cherami goes, and literally, like, this is their last distress call. Like, they're literally doing the, the latitude and longitude of where they are. And they're completely fucked if this does, this bird doesn't go through. Cherami goes up into the air, gets shot twice. <gasps> still makes it back home. Cherami. <gasps> Saves the fleet. Oh, of course troops. she does. I know, and... And they bloody fixed her up afterwards and she actually lived for a bit afterwards. I mean, she ultimately died because birds. But like, she, yeah. And, and they gave her a medal. Oh, Yeah. 
She's a hero. She's a bloody hero. I mean, obviously they're, you know, horrible, grubby descendants now ruin my lunchtimes. But oh, I'm going to look at them now with a... With a cheery eye and a noble history, yeah. Very noble. Also, I've just got, like, a really rousing image of, like, the 50,000 French pigeons being, like, tuning into the wireless and being like, (laughs) they say there is a war. (laughs) (laughs) Mobilise Claude. Claude. We must go. (laughs) But Jean-Francois, I am just recently married. I am sorry. You must fly to enemy lines. You will come back. Cher ami. Wash the dishes. Because at the time, <laughs> you know, they wouldn't have. Really they wouldn't, either. yeah. And then she rises up to be the star of the film and ultimately, yeah. you know, the hero's journey back. Yeah. And, yeah. Do you know, it's actually um, very weird <laughs> that you guys automatically made that sort of like romance connection with the pigeons because that is completely founded in reality. So when they were, obviously they were trying to find the best way to breed these pigeons, like breeding out like um, different anomalies and stuff. But while they were training them, they realised that... Um, they could use motives like love and jealousy to make them fly back faster. Holy shit. It's fucking incredible. What? I know. So what they would do in in many cases was um, for like a male pigeon, if the male pigeon has a little girlfriend or whatever, right? I know. Um, so before, like a few days before they know they're going to send that pigeon out in a mission, they introduce another male to his girlfriend. <gasps> <gasps> no, they don't. Oh, oh, my God. God. oh, they did. This has blown my mind. It's fantastic, isn't it? These bloody pigeons, mate. Do you reckon they had like one leg strapped with the coordinates of the fallen troops and the other leg strapped with a love letter? <laughs> <laughs> And then they just yeah. barge back in and they're like, milk Claude, you are back. But René has been romancing it. Get out of the way, René. You don't know the, the things I've seen. I'm a war hero now. Yes. You are nothing. You are nothing. Now get off of Cherami. She will always be mine and mine alone. This is a fantastic film. Speaking, I mean, this is a complete aside, but um, no one's 100% sure on how these pigeons, how their homing detection is so good, because obviously part of it is instinct, but these pigeons are flying hundreds of miles. And um, some people think that, like, there is an, they have, like, an internal compass. So, um, yeah, they must do, I guess. Yeah, but which is kind of incredible, because, like, you know, a compass sort of works like using magnetic fields, right? Yeah. So that's kind of incredible. And the, one of the other theories is that when a pigeon flies, it sort of creates a sound map in their head. Wow. Yeah. So the same way that we'd be like, you know, no matter where you are, you're like, oh, as long as I see the shard, I kind of know yeah, my way yeah, home. Yeah. They have the same thing, but with sounds, like the sounds of like how a certain tree is when the wind goes through it. Or that's amazing. Fellow bird calls. And yeah. pigeons don't even have big ears. Yeah, that's my. I mean, this is for another day. Like, where are birds' ears? Yeah. No idea. So, we're almost at the end of the podcast, but just before we go, it's customary for us to have a smart lesson, which this week is all about how to use makeup to look smarter. Now, of course, as smart women, you should know it doesn't matter what makeup you actually put on your actual face. The only way it will make you look smarter is if you make sure everyone knows you're wearing it for yourself or other women and not men. Yeah, of course. That's a mugs game, literally. But if you're the kind of person like me who puts makeup on before you've thought about why or who you're doing it for, how do you know who you're wearing it for? That's a genuine question. Oh, fuck. Um, I guess maybe like you're just doing it because... You look nice in it. No, I do have the answer to this. Um, if you are doing a strong lip, 
right? Like a bold color. You're doing it for yourself or for other women. Okay. Right? Because men can't snog that because they'll get messy, messy. On the yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're yeah. intimidated by it as well. Yeah. If you're doing a big smoky eye, then you're doing it for men. Oh, because they like it because it's sultry. Yeah. They like not seeing big two black holes in your face that they can fuck with their dick. Interesting. <laughs> well, I do like that theory. Um, and I thought as well that we could unpick it still further by looking at some of the products that we use Mm -hmm. every day um so i've uh brought some in and so have you uh caroline what's what what products do you have i've got mascara which is obviously um an essential for any woman on the go Ah. you know makes your eyes look um open and um yeah whereas if you're not a woman on the go and you're just sat in the house all day every day you must use a different mascara yeah no you probably use that clear manky mascara don't you yeah so what do you what what, like what can we find out about it so i'm opening my mascara Ooh, a lovely sound um well it's got a tiny little brush uh it looks a bit like a like a, a spiked dildo for a cat that's kind of, <laughs> looks kind of dangerous don't you think <laughs> it does it's amazing we put this so close to our eyes um it also says on the side here that it's um it's lengthening and strengthening which um sounds like words i've seen in penis enlargement adverts and yeah. it looks volumizing volumizing yeah also i need my eyelashes to be strong because they have to literally lift my eyelid every time i blink of course very strong i mean the way this is marketed and packaged i don't think it's actually for women at all i think it might be for men yeah it's a kind of a weapon isn't it really? it is the spiky, spiky little weapon. eye weapon yeah like a huh. spear for a tiny gladiator yes yeah look like like if it was jousting yeah just like a little jousting spear so I think um, this is definitely for men, and 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 uh, that's how you know that a smoky eye is a man look, yeah, as opposed okay. to a strong lip, which is a woman look. Okay, I mean this is all yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, Alex, what have you got today? Um, I have got some concealer. Um, it's in a very futuristic black and silver tube, which makes me think it's for men. Yeah. But then it's also got French writing on it, um, and French is a romantic language, so I think this is one is definitely for women. Because men can't understand uh, the French language because it's quite emotional. Yeah, too many um, feelings in it. Yeah, and also, uh, you know, black and silver could be feminine because, the, you know, I think men's products, are there's a lot of dark blue in there. Mm. Oh, yeah, no dark blue on that. No dark blue on this. Navies so, and oranges. Yeah, it's quite yeah. stylish. Whereas Gillette sort of go for maybe like four shades of the same colour. Yeah, you're Just right. Just so that men don't feel intimidated by with some it. like lightning through it. Yes. Yeah, and charcoal. Yes, and yeah. it makes the, and they make razors look like tiny spaceships. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. What do you got, Hannah? Uh, so I brought along a, a lipstick, and this lipstick says Matt on it, uh, which is definitely, as we know, a man's name. Ah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but I reckon that's a decoy because when you do open it and look inside, you can see it's kind of a kind of a dark pink. Oh. Which is a woman's colour? Yeah, the colour of a labia. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of think this one is for women too. And it's just uh, false advertising. It's right. got Matt on it. Yeah. And also right, they Matt. should, you know, I mean, if they're putting someone's name on it, use their full name, you know, Matthew. Yeah. That's what it should be. Stay, stay Matthew lipstick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like vinyl is short for Vincent. Yeah. 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 Of course. So if you want to wear makeup for yourself or other women, you can wear this lipstick and that concealer, but not that mascara. Not no. this mascara. No. Not too phallic. So, uh, wait, wait a minute. Hang on. That's how to work out who you're wearing the makeup for. But how do I make sure everyone 
knows who I'm wearing the makeup for. Like, how can I make sure your average person on the street knows that I'm wearing makeup for myself and not for a man? Because I don't want to be... Like, I don't want anyone to know that I might want to attract a man by bettering the way I look. That's a good question. I'm pretty stumped there. Uh, Um, I guess you just have to kind of tell them, wear a big sign. You can write on your forehead in that lipstick, this isn't for you, Matt. Yes. (laughs) And maybe... Or if it is, maybe that way you know, know. this is for you, Matt. This is yeah, for you, but then Matt. you couldn't use the lipstick because that's for women. Oh, yeah. You could, you could write in the mascara on your face. That's why they say that you can't have a statement lip and a statement eye because you confuse. Unless they guess you're because bisexual. Because there's two statements. You know, the statement is, it's yeah. for you, it's for me. Yeah. Can't do that. No. Jesus, feminism's hard. What about contouring? Who's that for? I have some foundation here. The elves? On the parts of your face that we want to attract men, we put loads of dark stuff. Okay. Ooh. And all the parts to that hide it. Don't. Yes, to trick them. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to contour you right now. Thank you. There oh, go. that is good. Oh my stuff. god, like you're being highlighted. Wow. Hello. So good. Okay, so now the right side of my face is available for men, but yes. the left is not. Yeah. That's it's SPF as well, so. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. SPF of course does stand for savage penis factor. <laughs> So the the higher your SPF, the more likely you are probably wearing it for men. We'll just have to do all the other millions and billions of makeup products uh, in the upcoming episodes. Sure. One by one. (laughs) Well, that's all we've got time for this week, kids. Alex came in with a respectable 16 points, but unfortunately for her, it's Caroline who takes Mm. this week's prize home with a whopping 21 points. Congratulations, Caroline. Victory is sweet, my friend. If you'd like to earn some dumb women points, you can do so by going onto the website ko-fi.com and sending us £3. We're going to say that every £3 earns you 30 dumb women points, so you'd have won this episode outright. How good is that? I mean, basically, that's the top prize. Thanks to Harry Harris on 13 points for our jingles, Gavin Day on 11 points for our logo, and Soho Radio Studios on 9.5 points for letting us record here. Do join us again next week when we'll have forgotten all about this stupid game show joke. (laughs) Bye. Bye! Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. On Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.